You're listening to Transform Talks, a podcast about global supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, a fast-growing network of over 130,000 supply chain and manufacturing executives worldwide. Now on this show, I'm going to be interviewing and having conversations with some of the biggest names in supply chain and business, where we're going to be discussing topics around digitization, transformation, leadership, technology, business models, diversity, sustainability, and much, much more. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to our latest monthly roundup episode. In this episode today, we're going to be looking back at the best moments from June. So why don't we get started? I can say that we are truly in summer and here in the UK, we've been experiencing some lovely hot weather, which is very rare, but I know that other places in uh, the world have been experiencing warm weather, which have also been, has been causing some issues. Now I'd like to take this opportunity to wish all of those uh, that have been affected the best. Okay. So let's get going for this month. Well, you know what? This month I attended not one, not two, but in fact, three events. That's right. I had the privilege of taking part in Gartner's Supply Chain Symposium in Barcelona, Home Delivery World USA in Philadelphia, and the Association of Supply Chain Management Connect Europe 2023 in Brussels. What attending all these events have allowed me to do is to take Transform Talks on the road. That's right. This month I took Transform Talks on tour. If you head over to my LinkedIn page, you'll be able to watch the interview I did with Eva Zauke, who is the Executive Vice President and Global Head of SAP Enterprise Adoption. Be sure to keep an eye out on my pages. I'm going to be releasing similar videos in the future. As for the regular Transform Talks, well, we released a total of four episodes this month. Let's now look back at some of the best moments from the last few weeks. We started off the month by speaking with David Strauss from E2Open. Now, I've spoken to David on a number of occasions, mostly at events, and I've always enjoyed our conversations. As such, I was really happy when we managed to get him on the show. In this first excerpt, we're going to hear David talk about the importance of what he calls analog transformation and why companies should be focusing on this as opposed to, say, digital transformation. Right. Um, um, I'll, I'll go to, because I used another buzzword, digital transformation there, and I'll, uh, I'll explain why I make that jump. Um, it's always to, to a nerd like me, it's like digital transformation. What's the alternative analog transformation? I used to make that joke or digital control tower. There's no analog control tower. But in, in retrospect, that was not thinking all the way through. I think the challenge, or I'm convinced actually that the challenge is actually in the analog transformation. The software exists. The software exists in most companies. The data is there. Even the processes are there. But changing the behavior of the analog world, basically setting the company on a couch and say, you know, uh, show me where the digital twin hurt you uh, kind of thing. And, um, and, and really taking them uh, to a new world, uh, changing behaviors, changing ways of approaching things. I'm not going to name the industry once I start talking. You recognize them. But recently, I was in a conversation where they're all about supply collaboration. Everybody is about supply collaboration. Just like connection, it's the extension of connection, hugely important. And they said, how do we ensure our supplies comply with collaboration, right? And compliance is, is a thing of power, of violence, right? And collaboration is one of equals and openness. They didn't get it yet, right? You need to sit them down. There's no, when we say collaboration, we actually mean 
bi-directional, right? That, that's still a revolutionary thought. And so, yeah, there, there's going to be some therapy at the enterprise and indeed at the industry level, which is probably going to have to take place over the next de decade, I'd say. Earlier this month, I sat down with globally recognized academic, public speaker, and author, Dr. Wayne Visser. In this episode, we discussed the idea that it's time for us to start reframing sustainability. We've covered the topic of sustainability quite a bit in the last few months, and I'm aware that it can often feel like not enough is being done to address the concerns people have on the subject. But Dr. Wayne Visser takes a more optimistic viewpoint. As a result of growing up in South Africa during the apartheid, he developed quite a unique outlook on the idea of change. And as you'll soon hear, Dr. Visser acknowledges that change doesn't happen overnight. As he points out, big change only takes place after the accumulation of a number of small changes. Absolutely. As, as consumers, we, we have a role to play. We have impact. Uh, there are many choices we can make about where our energy comes from, where our food comes from, what that food is. You know, one of the most powerful things we can do is, is move to more plant-based diets. This has huge positive impacts on biodiversity, on, on climate change, on water use, and on health. Uh, Oxford University shows we could cut uh, premature mortality by 20% globally if we move to more plant-based Decisions about uh, transport, how we get around, whether we're driving electric or uh, public transport, whether we're flying. There are many, many things we can do, um, opting for fair trade, for organic or bio. Uh, so we, we have our role to play. What I would say, though, is that we do need the whole system to change. So it's not that by changing a few light bulbs, we will become a thriving society. We do need government to play their role and we need business to change. We need to question the current model of, uh, of economics that we have driving us. And, um, you know, it's, it's all part of a complex system. So you get tipping points happening where, yes, it could be that uh, a customer's behavior is one of the things that tips us towards a more sustainable alternative. Um, but it's one part of the system, and uh, we all need to do everything we can. You know, I, I lived through the transition from apartheid to democracy in South Africa, and people often ask, well, you know, what was it that caused the change? Was it Nelson Mandela? Was it uh, sanctions? And the truth of the matter is it was millions of actions taken by millions of people all around the world and within the country, and it took 40 years of fighting for that change. So we have to think about all changes in that way. It's an accumulation of change within the system, which results then in very rapid change, these tipping points. And that's the exciting thing. We can have positive tipping points as well. Before we move on, if you're thinking to yourself, I'd really love to listen back to the full episodes that I'm referring to, then don't worry. We've included all the details to the full episodes in the description. Okay, so let's now look back at my conversation with Megan Zimba. Megan is the host of Mavens of Manufacturing, a live video broadcast series which focuses on women in the sector. Megan sees it as her mission to attract younger generations to join manufacturing or engineering career pathways. And as you'll soon hear, Megan believes that the only way we're going to achieve that is if we start broadening our approach to recruitment. It's an uncomfortable conversation for some to have conversations about diversity because not 
nobody wants to be like oppressive or discriminatory or you know purposely trying to include like disclude other communities and there's still issues in our sector that we have to address and the only way we can address them is if we have crucial conversations about them and um one of my colleagues andrew crow like he's phenomenal he's going around the united states and he's talking to bipoc individuals and bipoc communities and he's getting them really excited because again as a sector we're not doing a really good job being our own cheerleaders and hyping each other up and being proactive and getting in front of the next generation yes we're talking about the issues but it's going to take more than that to get these kids to really understand the value and sadly i still think that there's this like misconception that you know blue collar quote unquote isn't a way to be successful. When I was in high school, community college was looked down upon. We were always encouraged to go to a four-year university, which is fine, but it's not for everyone. People learn differently from one another. People think differently from one another. Not all of us are really good at tests. Not all of us are good at math and science, but there's a lot of kids out there who are really creative and they're good at critical thinking and problem solving. Like, they're good at it, but they don't know what opportunities in engineering and manufacturing exist or even supply chain. Like, I didn't know what the heck supply chain was when I was in high school. I started learning more about it as I got deeper into this sector. So we definitely need to come together as communities to, one, change the way our curriculum is and getting kids ready for success after high school, because I do see an issue with okay, how do I prep myself for a job interview? How do I create a resume? My daughter didn't, she still doesn't know. She doesn't know how to do her taxes. So she's trying to figure that out now. She's 19 years old. I knew how to do taxes when I was 15. But I think we like shove these soft skills under the rug and not pay a lot of attention to them. So it's really important for us as a sector to talk to one another come up with strategies with each other. There's a lot of manufacturing organizations within different communities, but they're siloed from one another. So how can we bring those organizations together to create phenomenal events and make them really popular, like athletics or like the healthcare industry or childcare? Like how can we start making these popular and what can we do differently at job fairs so that kids will come to our tables and actually have engaging conversations with us and then say, yes, that's what I want to do. Because they're not doing it right now. Yes, some kids are, but they, they just don't know. They're not familiar with what's available. As someone who didn't earn a university degree despite attending four years of university, it was reassuring to hear yet another prominent industry figure such as Megan talk about the need to develop new entry points for people wanting to pursue a career in this space. As I've said in the past, the industry needs people with all manner of skills and personality types if it's going to succeed. And the only way we're going to achieve this ideal balance is if we start being more open-minded in how we select talent. Let's move on to my conversation with Lynn Terrell. I invited Lynn on the show to discuss a project that is very close to her heart and one that has the potential to completely revolutionize forecasting. Termed the True Demand Initiative, the goal is to establish an independent third-party organization that can receive and analyze data from various stakeholders and then make recommendations about future demand. 
In this next excerpt, Lynn talks us through the thought process behind the initiative and the work that has gone into getting it to where it is today. Well, thank you for the question because it's a, a very um, important topic and something I'm, I'm quite passionate about. The concept of True Demand came about in probably the June 2021 timeframe. Uh, so we're past, you know, the first year of the pandemic. Semiconductor shortages are heavy. A lot, it's impacting, you know, businesses around the world. And we're seeing lead times go out from suppliers and had been going out for months and parts becoming non-cancelable, non-returnable. And customers' forecast increasing, you know, quite a bit during that time. So very unstable. Um, on top of that, all of the weather-related events that were taking place, we don't have to get into. But one of the things I recognize, having been in this industry for a long time, I've been through other cycles. And we were following kind of the same patterns that we had in the past where, you know, demand outstrips supply, lead times go out, prices go up. There's, you know, a lot of broker buy activity going on, additional costs going into the market. Investments are made. And, you know, it takes time for that cycle, that semiconductor manufacturing cycle for the output. So investments are made, output comes, and then you have supply outstripping demand. And then that leads to periods of excess inventory and... The bullwhip effect. The bullwhip, yeah, exactly. Bullwhip effect. And I was sitting and laughed one day and I thought, we're just doing the same thing. Like as much as I was concerned about shortages, I was just as concerned about the forecast and the inventory and the uh, uneasiness that everybody had with the quality of the data that they were receiving. So I thought about having every part in our in our manufacturing ecosystem is tied to a customer part number tied to a manufacturing part number and we have so much data that moves through the the system between the OEMs and EMS and distributors and suppliers so i had the idea you know we have all this data and you have in such enhancements in artificial intelligence and machine learning so the idea was using an independent third party that would analyze the raw demand that was coming through the ecosystem against industry reports for what growth targets were expected for you know different uh different companies different industries macroeconomic events you know and what that would be uh what how that would impact the supply chain and talk to a number of people uh, about the concept and the answer was the the technology is there the security is there it's getting people to participate so spent quite a bit of time bringing together uh, this coalition. So we have uh, founding members of the coalition from uh, representing OEMs, EMS, distributors, and semiconductor and IP&E suppliers. And what we're working on now is working with an independent third party, and we're working with Microsoft. And we're at the, we've formed a 501c6, and we're going to be doing a proof of concept, looking at uh, some technology and, and what the outputs would be. And hopefully, uh, hopefully soon, have a product that uh, people can participate, send their information in, and receive data. And and it will all, you know, we're following all antitrust guidelines and everything. But so people will only receive information relevant to them. So as an example, a semiconductor supplier will be able to see their raw demand coming through their normal signals, but they'll also see from the independent third party 
the rationalized demand that takes into consideration all the AI ML information that we're bringing to it. And they'll be able to say, this is your second piece of information. And with that, they'll be able to make the decisions they want to make. So it's broadening the, the depth of data that decision-making will be done on. on. On a different scale, an OEM may be able to, will, will be able to be told like, hey, in, in 18 months, you're going to have a supply chain problem because, you know, the, the end of life going on, fewer companies pr producing the product, whatever the analysis may show. So you might want to get ahead on uh, a redesign. Of, of that technology that will help streamline uh, your supply chain in the future. And it's, again, just more, more data being used to drive more intelligent decisions. So I'm, I'm very happy because that we've brought together really senior leaders in the industry um, that are all you know, working on this and, and volunteering their time and energy and we'll, we'll see what the future holds, but the, the thought is pretty powerful across the members that are participating. That as supply chain professionals working through such a disruptive environment, we have a responsibility to look for new and innovative ways to forecast demand to hopefully mitigate uh, supply chain disruptions in the future. As regular listeners will know by now, I like to end these roundup episodes by reflecting on my favorite Maria's book club, Answer of the Month. And on this occasion, I've gone with Lynn's answer. Lynn ends her answer with some rather inspirational words, and I thought that this would be the ideal way to not only end the episode, but also cap it off because it's been a great month. Early in my career, I uh, read Seven Habits for Highly Effective People, and that was uh, a book that just kind of resonated with me from the fact that, you know, you, you want to proceed, you want to proceed in your career and, and advance and develop, but at the same time, your personal ethics and your authenticity are just as important as you move forward. So that was one that just kind of blended for me and brought that together. Just be an authentic leader, make uh, good decisions with a strong moral compass, and you'll succeed in life. And that's been something that has just always uh, reassured, reassured me on my journey. So that's it for this month's monthly roundup episode. I hope you enjoyed revisiting some of our best moments from June. We'll be back next month for our roundup for July. In the meantime, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn at Transform Talks to stay up to date with the latest developments. Also, if you don't already follow me on LinkedIn, please do so. I'm always keen to connect with supply chain and business leaders from around the world. You can find me by searching for Maria P. Villablanca. And if you're lucky, I may let you know what that P in my name stands for. In the meantime, wishing you a great month ahead. And as always, for those of you listening, I'll catch you at the next one.